0: All right, welcome again to another edition of the Red Reporter Podcast. Um, I'm your host, BK, and um, alongside me this week, coming from beautiful Denver, Colorado, on the eve of uh, his wedding, is uh, our buddy Wick Terrell. Wick, how are you? Uh,
1: I'm good, man. Just uh, mildly stressed, trying to get all my odds and ends in order for uh, just a minor big day, so I decided I'd take some time and talk some baseball instead. Why not? Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Good good way to clear your mind. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Eric, uh, our other co-host couldn't make it this week, but um, as our guest, we have uh, from the Cincinnati Enquirer, the Reds beat writer, uh,
2: Zach Buchanan. Zach, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. And congrats, Wick. I didn't know that you were uh, had pending nuptials.
1: Yeah. yeah, man. So we've been together for uh, almost – actually, we're getting married on the 10th anniversary of the day we met uh, this weekend. And, uh, so we've been together forever and then all of a sudden decided to throw a wedding together almost last minute. So, um, yeah, it's been fun. (laughs) We're looking forward to it, but it's been kind of a, a whirlwind putting stuff together.
2: Wow. That's uh, that's incredible. Good for you.
1: (laughs) Thanks, man. It's
0: good stuff. So, uh, let's just start with this week. Um, you know, between the, the previous podcast that we recorded, which was a week ago today, and then the podcast before that, which was seven months before that. Um, <laughs> you know, we're getting into a more regular rotation here. And as soon as we started podcasting and the Reds actually made some news. So they uh, they traded Dan Straley to the Miami Marlins, um, received three prospects back, including um, the Marlins number two prospect, Luis Castillo. And um, I, Isaiah White is, I think, in their top ten, close to yeah. the end of the top ten, I think.
2: Yeah, it depends on right? on what you look at. If you like spread right. out between like <laughs> FanGraphs and Prospectus and MLB.com and Baseball America, all three guys were in the top ten. At least one of those.
0: Right. So um, you know, another uh, Isaiah White, not field prospect. Um, guys seems like the Reds have had their eye on for a while, and then uh, Austin Bryce, who could potentially end up in the bullpen early this year Um, so I I just want to get uh, your thoughts on this Zach Um, you know obviously you spoke to you spoke to Dan Straley right before he got traded just kind of go through you know the thought process there and uh, how that all went down
2: well I think from Dan's perspective I think he was pretty surprised by it because we we spoke for uh, our podcast the Reds Beat podcast about just kind of how he's handled trade rumors in the past and he always is you know he, he said like every time that he's actually paid attention to the rumors, nothing's ever come of it. And then when he does get traded, <laughs> it's like a bolt of lightning in the dark. Uh, and that's how it was for him because he was feeling uh, really comfortable in Cincinnati and kind of, I guess, the, the most assured he's been in a while of his position in the majors. Uh, yeah. I think he said like the most since after his rookie season where he knew coming back the next season he was in the rotation for the A's. And so he felt like pretty confident saying he's going to be a Cincinnati Red. He bought his or he's lined up his spring training accommodations in Goodyear back in August. Oh wow! <laughs> so uh, he he uh, felt pretty you know confident saying I'm going to be a Cincinnati Red. Where in the past he would have said, "Well, we'll see what happens over the winter. I don't know." Uh, and so I, I think it caught him off guard. I don't think it. Uh, I think he liked it in Cincinnati, but I don't think it's unwelcome for him to go to Miami. They're trying to win. They're certainly poised to be more competitive than the Reds are this year. Uh, and uh, they're certainly looking at him as a integral piece to their rotation and kind of a part of a playoff push. Um, so I, I think it's at worst a neutral move for Dan Straley. I'm, I'm sure he's excited about the opportunity for the Reds. I like the trade. I, I think uh, it, some people who really like it are, are getting a little ahead of themselves, but uh, I think Uh, And as you guys know, the Reds, you know, their Achilles heel throughout this rebuilding process has been waiting too long to move guys and then they lose value. And uh, if you look at Straley's numbers uh, is as confident as he has, that he can repeat what he did last year. There are reasons to be skeptical that he can do it again. Uh, And uh, so the Reds kind of took advantage when he was at what they think will will be close to his peak value and got something for it. Um, So I I think it's a good trade Just if you're just purely just looking at the process of making the trade. The prospects they got back are interesting. Uh, I don't think any of them are like can't-miss guys. I think MLB.com put Castillo number eight among Red's prospects right now. And so they're all interesting guys, and and maybe one of them pans out. Uh, It seems like scouting opinion on them is pretty mixed. I uh, had one scout that I wrote about the other day that, that said he sees both Bryce and Castillo as bullpen guys like pretty early on in their careers uh, and mm-hmm. seems to have some doubts over kind of what what they'll end up being. And, and some people, you know, see that he hit 101 last year apparently and and kind of figured it out later in his career than most prospects do and, and they have a more positive view. But I, I like the trade. It, it puts the Reds in an interesting position in terms of, what they do with the rotation this year because uh, this all this winter and throughout the winter meetings when Straley's name was floating up and de scafani's name was floating up in trade rumors, I I looked on it with a pretty big dose of skepticism just because I, I figured they couldn't do without one of those guys just because there were so many unanswered questions in terms of starting pitching. Uh, but right. apparently the Marlins came up with a price for the Reds, said, you know what, we'll figure it out. And so it'll be interesting to see how much that affects the major league club this year if they can successfully put together a major league rotation that'll get through an entire season. Yeah. But yeah, overall I think it was a solid trade.
1: Yeah, for the yeah. for the first time in a while it seems like the Reds actually were asking for somebody and got them. It wasn't that they, you know, the rest of major league baseball looked up and said, "Okay, they've got told this deadline or told this next deadline to, to actually move the piece that they've got on the table. Uh, because like you said, they got a chance to be proactive with this. And, you know, I think the cards really fell in their favor very, very well, obviously because Straley pitched so, so well last year for them. But also he missed being a super two by what, three days, I think. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that 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 saved them, you know, by most projections, about three million bucks. And so, keeping a guy like Straley, obviously, as they've emphasized that they're, you know, potentially looking to add a veteran to to help bolster that rotation. Um, it really did seem like everything went the Reds' way in this particular deal. And it wasn't that they were actively shopping and for the reasons that you mentioned, but it kind of seemed like they got a chance to ask for what they wanted. And when somebody finally said, sure, let's do that, uh, they were really in the upper hand in this. And so I think, you know, when I look at the the scouting reports and projections for the guys that got back. Obviously, there's uh, plenty of intrigue in all three of the guys. I think there's, like you mentioned, there's no sure thing, but there's a lot of potential upside in all three of them. So uh, I'm interested to, to, to see how they play out probably more so than any of the trades that have happened in in recent years, uh, not necessarily because they're all such highly touted prospects, uh, but because the Reds had the option to go out and get them and say yes to something without really having their hand forced. And so uh, I, I think I'll be watching them a little bit closer than I otherwise would uh, just because they've obviously seen something in uh, at least one of those guys uh, that stood out enough for them to go ahead and pull the trigger on this deal.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think from – my talks with people Castillo. I mean, it's obvious, but he's the centerpiece. He's the guy they wanted. But uh, I have to give you got to get credit to the Reds and to Dick Williams. They they didn't just stop and say we want your number two prospect. They said we want your number two prospect. We want Bryce and we want Isaiah White. Uh, and that's was I think the most incredible thing about the trade to me is uh, not that they got you know the guys that. They did because you can argue about their relative value, but that they got three guys for Dan Straley. I mean, I would have never guessed <laughs> yeah. you'd get a package of prospects for Dan Straley.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, going back to, I, I think it's, you know, really, it's something that the Reds haven't done with these guys that they've had in the same position in years past. And I think that's something that, you know, it's kind of come back to, to kick him that they didn't take more risks with, the guys that they, you know, got good seasons out of, you know, I think previously, you know, maybe, maybe they keep him around and see what he's worth, you know, at the trade deadline. Maybe they wait until, you know, next off season to, to unload him or, you know, keep him around for the next stretch run. And, you know, I, yeah, I, I totally agree that, you know, I think Dick Williams deserves a lot of credit in just having, having the balls to make that trade, yeah, you know, yeah. it's not something that we would have seen in the previous
2: regime. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so. I think we saw this a little bit last year as well with the Jay Bruce stuff, because remember, there was some talk about, well, we could hold on to Jay until the off season and just pick up his option and move him then. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. all, all common sense says, don't do that. Like, look at Jay's history of being streaky. He could get <laughs> hurt. You know, a million different right. things could happen that could tank his value, move him now. And they moved him, you know, when they had to, they didn't, they didn't say, well, we'll just, we'll just hold on to him and work it out later.
1: Yeah, they they didn't agree to the reported Zach Wheeler deal, despite the fact that you know a year and a half ago, so many people read all those rumors and said, "Oh wow, Zach Wheeler, you know, great prospect, great arm, got traded for Carlos Beltran once. Why didn't he make that deal?" And Zach Wheeler hasn't thrown a pitch since then. So yeah, it's it's, it's he deserves credit for for that too. Now that I think about it, because he he really has. Uh, probably time things a lot better than most people give him credit for., um, but this one particularly screams of him being very proactive while also realizing that he's gotten an extreme amount of value out of a move that didn't cost them anything in the front, you know,
2: yeah, yeah, I mean they they took a waiver claim and turned it into three interesting prospects. I mean, it's it's like shades of Alfredo Simon all over again,
1: so. yeah, yeah, right. One other
0: thing that I want to get into a little bit is just kind of the impact on the rotation that, you know, trading Dan Straley will perpetuate, I guess. Um, you know, when you look at how things were going to shake out before that deal, there was already kind of talk that they were going to bring in maybe a veteran arm. And even then, it didn't seem like there was going to be enough room in the rotation for these young guys. You know, now that there seems to be, there's, really there's three guys in the rotation that are absolutely going to be there if they're healthy and Bailey Finnegan and DeSifani. You know, when you look at the rest of the rotation, do we think that, you know, the Reds could go and get another veteran guy for for cheap, do another kind of reclamation project and see if they can fill a spot there or you know, would it make more sense for them to take a chance on the young kids and get them, you know, get, give St- Stevenson the ball, give Cody Reed, you know, what do we think there?
2: Uh, I think they, they're, I think they, I would be surprised if they did not bring in some sort of veteran help. Um, I don't think that necessarily means that it has to be someone on a big league deal. Uh, Cause I think they're not in two different territory than they were before the St- Australia trade where they had one spot open and uh, mm-hmm. you know, you want to have that spot there if the young guys are ready, but you also want to have reliable innings there if the young guys are not. And so it wouldn't. I think you're going to have a couple of veteran starter types in spring training on some form in some form or fashion. And I think it's even more likely now that you have two spots open because I mean, if you look at those three guys in the rotation, I think Anthony DiSclafani is the one guy you feel pretty good about what you're going to get in terms of performance uh when he's pitching but he's got the caveat of he's been injured each of the last two seasons he hasn't pitched a full season brandon finnegan had a really encouraging first season of the rotation but that one season does not a track record make and then homer bailey hasn't pitched a full season since 2013 i i don't i don't really look at that core three and say each one of those guys is going to give me 200 innings and uh and so then you if you're going to get those last two spots to, to Robert Stevenson or Cody Reed or Amir Garrett or anybody of that ilk, uh, I don't think you can say you're going to get 200 innings out of each of those final spots either if they're going to one guy. That's that's a lot of innings to cover, and I think you need some reliability in there just to get through the season. I mean, that you don't want the end of the 2015 season. You don't want the beginning of last season uh, where you're having to – you know, it's just a fire drill and you're bringing up anybody whose arm is attached to, to try and get outs. You you need some reliability there. So I definitely think you're going to see a veteran of some sort uh, in the mix for it at least.
1: Yeah. The whole reason they had Dan Straley in the first place is because 11 months ago or 12 months or 10 months ago, sorry. uh, When we thought that, you know, Rice Iglesias was the opening day starter and was going to hopefully get 170, 180 innings. And then Di Scafani behind him and Homer Bailey back in May, uh, and none of, none of those three scenarios really panned out. And suddenly Australia's is available last minute to come in originally as a bullpen guy for the first week or two of the season, uh, because those kind of guys are out there and available. And, um, uh, you know, obviously you hope that is going to have that build on his rookie season where he threw what, like 180, 184 innings, um, and be that 200 inning guy. But then beyond that, uh, uh, there's not a whole lot there. And I think that's going to kind of be the, the, um, uh, how to describe it? The final piece of this Dan Straley trade is uh, if they go out and they sign a you know a Doug Fister or uh, somebody along that line to a even a the, an Alfredo Simon like deal where it's a, a million and a half, two million bucks for next year, or bring in a guy on a minor league contract. Uh, how that person fits in going forward really kind of helps cement the decision to trade Straley that much more. And I think what the Reds looked up and said is, you know, if to, if 2017, which would be the last year before Straley would get expensive, uh, really doesn't matter that much in the standings. We'd rather take Luis Castillo and, and Bryce uh, and Isaiah White and roll the dice on whoever we can get in a 2016 Dan Straley mode and see how he pans out more so than having Dan Straley and hoping he can replicate what he did last year. And I think that's a pretty good dice roll, all told, given where uh, this particular team is. I think that's kind of the right strategy. Uh, whether or not they can find the right guy and have it pan out, even remotely close to how it did uh, with Australia, obviously, is, is is left to be seen. But I'd love to count on those three guys that, that we've kind of penciled in as uh, the top three in the rotation. But uh, I got the feeling that, that right. Dick Williams is going to, uh, ha- have his hand in the fire and come back with, with somebody if for no other reason that there really are still a lot of, uh, you know, at least name brand guys that are a little over the hill or coming off injuries that are still out there unsigned.
2: There are. And what people need to remember is that, I mean, they rolled the dice last year and this was the idea they had behind signing Alfredo Simon. But that went as, as bad as it could possibly go. like. Yeah. <laughs> like it, i mean that was yeah. that went about as terribly as as it could. I mean what what was it the <laughs> worst ERA ever for like at least fifty innings 50 or something innings, like yeah. that? And like I mean it, it just has to go you don't need to have Dan Straley again posting a three seven six ERA to get through the season. You know that went about as well as it could possibly go. Right, you're fine with something in the middle. You're fine with a guy posting a four five four seven five ERA if he's giving you innings and staying healthy. And there are plenty of guys out there that can probably do that. Right, right,
0: right. So uh, moving on to the infield, um, you know, I think that one thing that is still kind of up in the air for um, how this upcoming season is going to shake out is. You know what happens in the middle of the infield. Obviously, uh, it sounds it sounds like the Reds tried to make uh, some kind of deal for Zach Cozart at the deadline last year that reportedly fell through. And then obviously they've been trying to trade Brandon Phillips for the past two seasons with no luck there, given his no trade clause. You know, are you still expecting those two guys to be the main? Two guys there, you know, for the first month or two of the season.
2: I, I don't know about that. Um, I, I would expect Kozart to play more than Brandon Phillips. I mean, you've got to get Peraza and Dilson Herrera time because uh, they're going to be out of options at the big for 2018, and so they're going to have to play right. And so, I think you're going to see them. They might not be up the entire year, all of them, but I think they're going to be up a lot, whether they go back and forth or alternate, whatever it is. But they're gonna play. And they the Reds have talked about that. And that means cutting into the time of Zach Kozart, and that means cutting into the time of Brandon Phillips. Uh I, I think it, it hurts Kozart's playing time less just because he still has trade value. The the Reds just mm-hmm. got unlucky that this offseason there are no teams that need a you know a shortstop on a, like a four and a half million dollar deal for one year, which is basically what he's on. And it's just not you know, no one needs that right now. But if a shortstop gets hurt on a contender, then I'm sure the first person they think of is Zach Cozart. Because I don't think the Reds have like an, a you know abnormally high asking price for him. It's just that no one's asking about him right now. Um, but uh, that could change, and and so he needs to play to keep his value up. I'm not sure what trade value Brandon Phillips would have now because now he has rejected three deals in the last two seasons or two off seasons. Uh, his mm-hmm. performance has declined. He's he's not a terrible second baseman. He he still has value as a player. But for $14 million, uh, I mean, I'm sure the Reds would have to eat almost all of it. Plus, you have to get to the hurdle of would he agree to it. Uh, and it, it's that's just a lot. I can't see why a team would even go down the road with it unless they knew he would okay the deal. It just would seem like such a waste of time. And if he's got no value on the field to the Reds and he's got no trade value, I'm not sure what reason there is to to play him any significant time unless they're just trying to end the relationship on good terms so they can induct him into the Reds Hall of Fame in a few years. It's just, if you're looking at the future of the Reds and what's good for the Reds in the future on the field, playing Brandon Phillips like every game as a starter doesn't make much sense. Uh, which is unfortunate because he's turned in a great career for the Reds. He's been a great player for the Reds, and it'd be really sad if the relationship ended like this. But I mean, that, that's a riddle they're going to have to figure out how to accommodate all four of these guys, um, because I mean, Brian Price does believe some in in, in the fact in, in the idea that uh, c- certain veteran players have earned a certain amount of deference because of their veteran status. Uh, and and that applies to Brandon Phillips so it I don't know how it's gonna play out it's going to be fascinating it's easily for me the the biggest storyline of spring training
1: uh my, my question when I heard you say that is and you said between these four guys which which it, it primarily is but the question I'd have for you is um where where do you get the Im- uh impression the Reds are with Eugenio Suarez at this point who obviously splin The bulk of last year at third base, but came up not just as a shortstop, but as a pretty widely regarded decent prospect as a shortstop. Um, Obviously, he struggled a little bit with the glove when he was there in his first year, but he hit extremely well there. Do you think he is a third baseman for good now in their eyes, or is he still somebody that might potentially play his way uh, a little bit around the diamond as these dominoes fall over the the next coming years?
2: Uh, I don't think he's a third baseman full stop. Uh, I think he... Towards the second half of last year, he really kind of, the position clicked for him. And I think he's still in your opening day lineup uh, next year uh, or this coming season, I guess. Just I, I, He's done enough in his two and a half seasons or whatever it was with the Reds to, to earn that opportunity. But obviously, Nick Senzel is probably going to be your third baseman at some point. So I do think Eugenio is a guy that could play a lot of different places. I don't see him moving back to shortstop unless Peraz is a failure there and then. Alfredo uh, Rodriguez is a failure there, and you know they've just struck out on all these guys they brought in. Um, but maybe he uh, plays fills a gap at second base if there's no second baseman that works out. Maybe he plays in the outfield somewhere if you know they don't seem to have a lot of like for sure answers in the outfield if you're looking two three seasons down the road. And obviously, he has to hit to keep getting these opportunities. But I, I think there are a lot of different places he could play.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, I look up at a guy who obviously has a a 20 home run season under his belt. He's got a track record in the minors that suggests he could be a, uh, you know, a at least a 330, 340 on base percentage guy, and yeah, you, know, you you put those two offensive statistics which you got with a guy who has a glove that can potentially at least play decently at shortstop, or if you trust the metrics over the last half of the season last year, uh, be a plus defender at third base, and uh, that's 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 a valuable guy. I mean, especially before he hits arbitration, that's that's potentially a three three and a half four win player if everything clicks and he plays a full season. So you know, I as much as I love talking about. Dilson Herrera and Jose Peraza and how that's kind of the future of the infield. I look over at Suarez every now and then. I'm like, wait a minute, he's he's actually proven himself pretty well in his uh, initial big league career. He's still young. I think he's what just he's still 25 years old. And um, while I'm obviously interested to see all uh, uh, the, the shortstop and second play out, I feel like he's somebody who just kind of silently has been there and might just play his way into helping decide how the rest of the infield sorts itself out too.
2: That's possible, but I, I would also say that it's, you know, if, if all these other players click into place around him, and you, you, you figure out that you already have the outfielders you need, you've got the middle infielders you need, and then Senzel's coming up at third, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if if Eugenio produces like people hope if he's suddenly a, a hot trade block item. So that's a good, uh, be, a very good, I good point. I think that yeah.
0: the
2: the future. Uh, He has a million infinite different futures that could play out for Eugenio Suarez. Yeah,
0: that's a good way to put it. So uh, going into spring training,
2: the other kind of position battle that
0: the Reds have at this point is catcher. Um, You know, I think they've said at this point that Devin Masaraco is going to get a chance to be the starter there again. You know, he's on a much bigger deal than Tucker Barnhart is. But Tucker Barnhart came in and played pretty well last season. Zach, is there any indication as far as you know how that's going to shake out, or you know, have they kind
2: of showed their hand there at all yet? I don't know that they've showed their hand, but I th- I think if Devin's healthy, he's going to play. Uh, I don't think he's mm-hmm. going to catch five games out of six or anything. I think they're going to uh, operate with some sort of uh, protection in place just because of his injury history. But uh, I mean, if you're paying a guy seven and a half million dollars and then twelve and a half next year or whatever it is he's got to play he's got to have the opportunity to recoup some of that value whether it's to be part of this team in the future or if if it's to suddenly be flipped once he's established his value to to further the rebuild I guess so he, he's going to play but I also think Tucker Barnhart plays I don't think Tucker is relegated to like a, a a pure backup role I think it's going to be more of a timeshare that's probably split more in in Devin's favor if if he's healthy but uh, I think both are deserving of opportunities. But uh, yeah, but I don't I also don't think either has can take anything for granted going into camp. Uh, uh, mm. Tucker had a nice season last year. He's great with the pitchers and calling games and blocking. But both he and Devin Masaraco don't grade very well when it comes to like pitch framing. Um, and I don't know if the the front office will start to value that more than they have but that seems to be the trend in the game of getting a good pitch framer and if you don't have one you got to get uh, you have to have a catcher who's pretty good offensively but uh it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out but i think you're going to see plenty of both of them this year
0: right is there um you yeah, know i know that there was some talk at the beginning of last year that you know devin could see some time in the outfield is that is that still a possibility do you think i think it's that, was that just kind of
2: that's only a
1: possibility
2: if He can't catch if he physically cannot right. catch it. I think that's the only way you see that that situation come to pass.
1: Yeah, I, I think the uh, the the free agent catchers and all of their agents across the league are probably as interested about how Devin Mesoraco is right now as most every Reds fan is too, because it kind of puts the Reds in a in a difficult position. I know they've kicked around at least publicly the concept of signing another veteran catcher to bring into spring training. But obviously, you know, for all veteran catchers out there who want the opportunity to be able to make a club and make a roster and, and, and be on a team and contribute, they're waiting to see what Devin's got too. And it's hard for the Reds to have a ready-made built-in signee replacement should Devin not be able to go until Devin isn't ready to go. And so that's, that's kind of, uh, pinch their hands at least a little bit. I know they brought in, I guess, Rob Brantley and Sean Zaraga, I think, uh, are both guys that are non-roster invitees that are catchers. But one guy I'm kind of interested to see what they do with is uh, is Chad Wallach, who I kind of thought they might add to the uh, the roster before the Rule 5 draft if for no other reason than he kind of is that next guy on the the, the organizational depth chart at catcher and he didn't play a full year last year, but he had a, you know, a very impressive on base percentage, uh, at double a when he played, which means based on how things are shaking out, barring another addition, he kind of profiles as that guy who's going to be the Louisville catcher. Uh, and he's 26 years old at this point too. So, um, do you see anything about Wallach or hear anything about Wallach that, uh, that is leaked through that suggests the Reds are kind of hoping he can show well, uh, this particular spring training to help add to that depth. Should they need it?
2: Um, I I have to be honest with you. I haven't talked to anybody about Chad Wallach, and I'm sure it, he has a good chance to get some time in the majors this year, just because, like you said, he's he's the next guy up, kind of. But I I haven't really had any in depth conversations with anybody about Chad Wallach. No one from the Reds have ever kind of said, "Hey, check out Chad Wallach" or, or something like that. I have heard good things about Joe Hudson. Okay, um, uh, he he's a guy that uh, some people I've talked to have liked just from a defensive standpoint. But Chad Wallach, I'm sure he gets a shot. Um, but, I mean, these guys, with all the pitchers they have, it's easy to overlook kind of these guys further down the organizational chart that, uh, you know, have some some nice aspects to them but aren't getting all the love of the top prospect type guys.
0: Right on. And do you, would you look at a guy like Joe Hudson that the Reds are kind of high on as someone who kind of fits into that, you know, is a good pitch framer kind of narrative? Or is that is is it yeah, more he,
2: you know just the same he's a defense first catcher he's he's Tucker Barnhart essentially um, gotcha <laughs> but i mean all these guys are just hopefully the reds hope are just you know place fillers until either chris Okie or tyler stevenson right. you know is ready right. i mean those are the two guys if you're looking at the future of the catching position with the reds you're looking at those two guys you know at least the reds are hoping it's one of those two guys and right. these other guys are you know they they hope that they can turn into decent catchers, at least org catchers for them. But the the two potential, you know, everyday catchers for them in the future, if you're looking way down the road, are, are those two guys who were in with Dayton last year.
0: And So um, the last question before we go, and this is just one I kind of came up with on the fly here. If going into spring training, what's one player that a Reds fan wouldn't normally think to keep an eye on, but we should be keeping an eye on?
2: Ooh, that is an interesting question. Um, okay, you got to give me a second to think about this one. Do you, do right. you guys have your own answers? I'd love to hear what you... Yeah, Wick,
1: Wick, do you have an I, I do have an answer. And I, I wrote about it a little bit earlier last week, and that's Erzmendi Alcantara, if for no other reason, because it's hard to say. Um, but he's a guy who, uh, given who the Reds have kind of deployed in utility roles over the last couple of years, he, he, he's kind of a different uh, uh, branch than the guys like Ivan DeJesus and Miguel Cairo, Jack Hanahan, Skip Schumacher. He's not a, a completely failed prospect. He's not 30 to 35 years old. Uh, he's still a guy who has a lot of development in front of him. I know I, I wrote that he's actually – I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think he's four or five months younger than Zach Vincy. Uh, who just wrapped up a great year, albeit at, at AA Pensacola. And so he's a guy that obviously was a top-winner to prospect, uh, but he's he can play defensively, shortstop, second base, center field, third base in a pinch, uh, and he's still just 25 years old, and he got plucked off of waivers uh, primarily because he got called up so early that he's been out of options. Um, but he's a guy who I think the Reds, if they play their cards right and if Alcantara shows up and plays well, can get – a pretty solid amount of plate appearances and, and a lot of innings in the outfield and in the infield uh as a utility guy who still might have a lot of talent left. And considering the Reds haven't been super active this offseason, picking him up off waivers is actually one of the bigger moves they've made, at least name brand. And I'm excited to see how, mm-hmm. how they, they choose to deploy him once we get to uh get to Goodyear.
0: Yeah, I mean any anytime you can pick up a guy who is a who is coming in with a World Series ring, that's that's probably not a bad call. <laughs> yeah, right? seriously.
2: Yeah, I can't. I can't wait to get a look at his ring. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he
0: won't. He'll, you'll see it. He'll make sure that you guys see it. I'm sure.
2: I would. Everybody.
1: I would. <laughs> yeah.
2: All right. I'm looking through the the 40 man roster here, trying to pick a name off for you. Let's see.
0: All right. Well, I'll I'll go with with one um, that I meant to mention on last week's episode, but um, didn't really have time for it, and that was uh, Richie Schaefer who, you know, was a good prospect with uh, Tampa Bay and then kind of came up to the big leagues and fizzled. Got some time uh, two years ago, got some time last year, really has not hit at all at the big league level. He's a a first baseman, so he's not going to fill a need for the Reds. He's not going to be, you know... He's not about to take Joey Votto's spot or anything, but you know I think that you know if they can kind of work with him and fix his swing a little bit, he had he had 26 homers in uh, 2015 in Triple A between Double A AA and Triple A. So you know I think that you know there there could be something there, and it would make for a nice kind of bench bat for for the Reds, you know, going forward. Kind of like you know it. it he reminds me a little bit of Adam Duval, except, you know, he, he had less success at the big league level at the start. So
1: yeah, those are international league home runs too. Those aren't, those aren't PCL inflated numbers too. So yeah, I think right. the, the power with Schaefer is definitely real. He's a, he's a Clemson guy too, isn't he? Just like, uh, like Chris Oakey. So yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully he can turn it around. Cause I'm, I'm interested to see, cause I, I, I agree with you. I think he he does profile kind of similarly to Alcatara, is that 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 younger bench bat, that younger, more athletic bench than the Reds have kind of put out there in recent years.
2: All right, th- th- This is a guy who's not going to be on the Reds next season and may never be on the Reds, but I think he's an interesting guy to watch anyway, is Gabby Guerrero. Um, he oh, he okay, has yeah. not been a good player the last couple seasons, but he is still young and he's got the right genes. I mean, he's Vlad Guerrero's nephew, I believe. <laughs> And uh, I mean, he's right. got the physical tools. And I, the the, the Diamondbacks traded for him uh, my last season covering them, and so I never I never got to actually see him play. I, I kind of missed that spring training, which was last spring training, his first with, with the Diamondbacks. And I I'm I'm interested to kind of see what he looks like, because uh, he's supposed to have, you know, all the physical tools necessary to really be a stud, and he just has not figured out. You know how to hit consistently, right? Um, And who knows if the Reds will unlock that for him? But uh, he's he's got so much to work with that I'm interested to look at him.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if there's one thing that you know, when you think of Vladimir Guerrero, he's an imposing figure to where when he walks up to the plate, you know, you know it's him. And yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting to see if if Gabby Guerrero can kind of uh, take some of that same. Some some of that same physicality and some of that same swagger with him uh, to spring training with the Reds yeah,
2: for sure. Yeah, yeah I, 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 if, I, it, oh, I was just saying if, if it doesn't work out with him, Gabby Guerrero is always going to be a guy that's like people are going to keep taking chances on because of of, right. of that pedigree. It's like a guy who throws high 90s, like J.C. Ramirez, who like ended up on what is like his eighth or ninth team mm-hmm. last year after he got cut loose by the Reds. Uh, like mm-hmm. it guys are going to keep taking chances on guys like that because maybe, maybe you'll be the one that, that figures them out.
1: Yeah. I so, was just about to, I was about to say, I'm, I love the move because of that exact same reason that, you know, that's, that's the exact kind of move that the red should be making right now, because if they happen to be the one team that gets them when it clicks, that's it was a low cost nothing maneuver uh, to bring him in on the roster, bring him into camp, and uh, and give him the shot because I think the tools are definitely there. And if it happens to just click underneath, you know their their tutelage, that's that's a no brainer. Um, and so I was really excited to see that they brought him in. Certainly.
0: So uh, with that, I think we're just going to wrap this up. So um, you know, make sure to come check us out at Red Reporter. Uh, we do have the iTunes feed fixed. So. Um, make sure to uh, subscribe on iTunes. Go find uh, Zach on Twitter. Zach, which, remind me of your Twitter handle. I don't at, have it up. At Zach E-N-Q. Right. So Zach E-N-Q. Yeah. And uh, with Zach with an H, not like Zach an Cozart.
2: So Spell Zach correctly. You know, I, I, I need to tell this about <laughs> Zach Kozart. His full name is Zachary with an H. I have no idea why he spells it <laughs> oh, with a K. Man. <laughs> he has no excuse. That's
0: that is an that is an awesome piece of trivia. Well coming right from a
2: Daniel
1: who goes by Wick, uh I'm all about appropriate nicknames for actual names, so I, I firmly agree with you on this one, so
2: <laughs> Yeah, so so uh Zach spelled correctly, we can just say that. We're like
0: <laughs> there you, if you go. can't figure there it you out, go. you don't
2: deserve to follow me.
0: <laughs> there you go. Perfect. <laughs> And uh, make sure to read his stuff at the Enquirer. I'm sure you're you'll be in you'll be in uh, Arizona for most of, if not all, of the spring training. Right? Be there all
2: seven weeks. Nice. Oh man, nice.
0: Oh, it's fun. So uh, make sure to check out his stuff. Um, follow us on Twitter at Red Reporter, and uh, we will see you next time.